Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep selling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is in our true He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Welcome to Zero Today with your host. I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, here to sow seeds of wisdom and insight, empowerment and liberation. Hailing from Cajun Land, USA, we are promoting a knowledge that's engaging and transforming, hoping to empower you, our listeners, to growing, being, doing, and impacting the world around you. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. You can do so in several ways. First, you can do so by calling in on line 347-237-5230. That's the number to call in. Or the chat room is open, so you can log in to blogtalkradio.com and log into the chat room. Follow us on print on Twitter at Prophesy. Uh, send us an email, PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com. And uh, we're Skype. We are on Facebook, the Zero Network. Um, Hey, however you can get in touch with us, we will make us we're available. We're glad to be on the air one more time. It's a happy Wednesday this morning, and I'm glad that uh, you're joining in with us this day. I'm glad. I'm, I'm a bit under the weather. My sinuses just won't act right. I mean, well, the weather just won't act right. <laughs> so if I sound a little groggy, I am, you know, there only are some sinus medicine um but hey, I'd rather be, I'd rather suffer with sinus problems any day on this side of the earth and not be on this side at all, uh, in the land of the living. <laughs> so, but nonetheless, we do have a good show lined up for you. We uh, we will be discussing the papal conclave that has begun officially, and um, couple of there's a couple of things that that uh, I've been paying attention to. Uh, in the news and of course on Facebook and all these other train, uh, all these other places. But two things: uh, the show Preacher's Daughter uh, aired last night, premiered last night on um, Lifetime. So I want to get your insight about that show if you watched it. And I'm, I'm sharing a little bit about that. And there's a pic that's gone viral on the web about a church anniversary and 
the pastor and his first gentleman. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that. And I'd love to get your, uh, get your insight, opinions on this and other topics as we go through today. But before we get started, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, just want to say thank you for today. We thank you, O oh God, for another opportunity to share your gospel, to share your word, to share a, a dialogue, monologue, however you choose to. We just thank you, and we pray that you bless the show and those who are listening. Be honored, be honored, magnified, let your people be edified. Amen. All right. So, we are on, and um, we're talking first about the Pope Papal, uh Papal Conclave. Um, now, historically, we, we're, we're catching this, and it, it, it is a historical moment. Uh, I wasn't around when, well, I was alive, but I, you know, I didn't know about when Pope John uh, Paul II was elected. Uh, and of course, all of us got to see, uh, most of us got to see Pope Benedict XVI get elected, and probably within. We definitely know before Easter, uh, we will see another pope get elected, and um, it, it's a very significant event. And it's, it's, it's a lot of people approaching this thing in several ways. Some are saying that he is the he will be this pope will be the final pope, you know, the last of the the last of the last of the popes of our era of our time, you know, century, forever. <laughs> Uh, and then there are those who are saying that this pope, uh, this last pope, will signal the coming of the Antichrist. And um, I, I, I tell you, it's just a lot that that these people are reading into this uh, papal uh, conclave. And I'll be honest with you, I um, I'm not a I'm not a Catholic. Um, uh, but because we are, I am a Methodist, and it's not much of a difference as far as not too much of a difference between our liturgy. There, there are some differences, but there is a big difference between our process of election, uh, election. The Pope's going to conclave, and I, and I, I got this from one of my friends, and uh, she's a uh, one of my dear friends here. And she's a uh, lifetime, lifelong AME. Put on her Facebook post, and I'm, I'm, I'm blasting it. Uh, so, like, the Catholic Church could learn something from the AB Church about backroom deals when it comes to <laughs> electing the Pope. And, and it's funny, and I'm, I'm sharing this because, you know, uh, while the Pope, while the papal conclave gathers after a, a Pope dies, and those eligible cardinals under uh, under 80 years old, and I think it's about 116, 118, I may be mistaken, but it's over 100, who are now uh, secluded within the Sistine Chapel, preparing to elect uh, a new vote, or, or trying to come to a consensus, a general consensus. They have to have two-thirds of a vote, as every process, you know, you have to have two-thirds majority to uh, elect a new pope. And I, I recall stories and of how this would take sometimes days and year, uh, weeks, not not years, but days and weeks. And I, I was reminded of how in the, the African Methodist Episcopal Church, 
when we would elect a bishop, uh, it was a similar process. You know, you, 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 they tallied the votes, and the tallying of the votes could take all night. And that was the highlight of the general conference for, for so many people, you know. Uh, they would go to the general conference to not only see who was running, but to see how they were campaigning and things like that. But mostly to watch that election because that election could take days. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it could literally take days. And there was a lot of backroom dealing going on, you know. Uh, the, the candidate would make a deal with a, a current bishop on the bench to get in, you know. <laughs> and eventually they would get elected. Now we've got a little sophisticated in, in the Amy Church. You know, we've gone electronic, and this last election, we only elected two bishops, um, and we located one. But um, this last election, we got it done in maybe maybe two hours, if that. I, I don't believe it took that long. But there were at least 17, 18 candidates for those two slots. And when I say, is you know, when uh, being a bishop in the Methodist Church, the Anglican Church, and the Catholic Church, uh, with the exception of the Catholic Church, who are appointed, uh, uh, and, and the Church of God in Christ, who are appointed, or uh, uh, these non-denominational churches where they are bishop, and probably the more pure sense of the word bishop, you know, in that they are congregational and those persons are autocratic uh, in so many words, you know, autonomous in so many words. Unlike those, our our process is an interesting process. And what makes it unique is that, you know, you're campaigning for at least two years. You know, you spend at least two years campaigning to be a bishop in the AME Church. Uh, and that campaign means you're going across the connectional church, you know, as far as India, as far as, 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 far as South as Africa, Guyana, South America, all across the uh the forty-eight states, or the fifty states, all across. You, you go as far as you can. All these conferences and all these meetings, and we have meetings after meetings after meetings. And you're getting your name out there. You know, you 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 market what your church has done. You market what you have done as a leader. You know, you market uh, <laughs> your connections. You know, you where you are and what you've done connectionally with the church. And, and when I say it's a big deal. It is. It's a big deal, and so now you look at the the Catholic Church, and you, you you know the process is so secretive. You don't know what happens. We have an idea. We know, uh, being that you know we elect our pope, our bishops, in a similar fashion. We we know. Uh, we 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 have an idea of the process. We don't know the exact process, but we do know that you know there's a tally that is kept, and until the person who has the majority of the tally, however many rounds it may take, we call it rounds. And uh, you know, in the in the Catholic Church, uh, there's four. They 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 have up to four ballots a day. They call it ballots. They have up to four ballots a day. So although we've only seen three um, pictures of black smoke, uh, I mean, it just began on yesterday, and, and you understand it's already uh, already midday or noon. I mean, uh, evening over there. In, in Italy, so they're they're far ahead of us, and to see that okay they they've done the first three, and now there can be up to as many as four a day, for who knows how long. Uh, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. I've, I found something online um, 
that I thought was interesting, and I found it in Charisma magazine uh, by Jay Lee Grady. And Jay Lee Grady is a wonderful writer. I enjoy reading his articles. And he, he writes about a, a dream that he had. And in this article, he writes about a dream that he had called The Coming Tsunami in the Catholic Church. And he said when he wrote the dream, Pope John Paul II was the uh, Bishop of Rome. And the Bishop of Rome is the official title of the uh, the, the Pope. That's his official title. That's his official role. He's the Bishop of Rome, sitting in the seat of, of Peter. Serving as the vicar or the one in place of or the substitute of Christ. That's basically what it is. And he said he had this dream when Pope John Paul II was uh, the the Pope. He was the pontiff and Benedict became the pontiff. And, of course, Benedict now is uh, pontiff emeritus. Benedict XVI is pontiff uh, emeritus. And this is what he said. He said that he was standing inside the Vatican and beholding all the glory, you know, the beauty of it, and he saw the, all the ornamentations of the building, and he got a big view of a uh, panoramic view of the Vatican City. And in that panoramic view, he noticed uh, all of a sudden there was a water, there was a rush of water coming in, a tsunami of sorts coming in and flooding the Vatican City. And as they secured themselves, they came into a, another hall. And in this hall, um, he, he found there were some Catholic nuns and priests who were praying in the spirit. And for those who don't know what praying in the spirit is, basically saying they were speaking in tongues. So, in other words, in it, all right, so they're speaking in tongues and and uh, they're praying in the spirit and uh, the flood has moved and uh and there comes this another official, uh, another uh, church official and uh, bishop of some sort. I, I, um, excuse me. Anyway, another church official comes and begins to uh, rebuke them, uh, you know, chastise them, and, and he says he began to pray in the spirit against rebuking him. <laughs> so there's a lot of rebuking going on in this vision, uh, this dream, or whatever you may call it, but. He he said that while he was uh, as the revelation of the vision came, the dream came to him. He said that this is what the Lord said that uh, that the Lord was about to uh, the Lord was about to do something a revolution uh, in the Catholic Church. Uh, specifically, he said that uh, this is what he said. The Lord said he said the Holy Spirit said he's going to turn the Catholic Church upside down. Now. I, I don't know what to say about that, but hey, uh, I believe God can move. I believe God is, is moving. Uh, I cannot say how he's moving. I'm like the author in Hebrews chapter 1. God has moved in various ways and means throughout the, the period of time. And we can't always understand nor comprehend how he moves and me, and and and, uh, and how he moves. And, and, and scripture itself. Uh, verifies that we shouldn't try to understand. Uh, and Isaiah 55 says that, um, you know, he, he moves as he wants to move, and his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our our thoughts. But whatever he does, whenever he does it, it, do, it, it works out this way, that he's glorified, and whatever he sets his word out to accomplish, it does not return to a void. So there could be coming a revival to the Catholic Church. 
and it you know it depends on how you view the Catholic Church. There are those who are Western evangelicals who view it as demonic and uh, call it the Babylon whore. You know, the whore Babylon is in Revelation and all of those things. Um, I, I, you know, we have to be real about what we say. I mean, the current Christian establishment, as we understand it, the entire institution of Christianity, both Western and Eastern, stems from the Roman Catholic Church. And, you know, we get a tradition. And what's funny is now... In order to authenticate themselves, there are a lot of churches, a lot of these independent non-denominational churches and these little uh, fellowships and all this stuff are trying to authenticate themselves, imitating the Catholic Church. You know, they get the garb, they get the garb, they they have the processionals, they have all, and they're even attempting to adopt some form of the liturgy. Uh, you know, I went to a church the other day. And I was surprised because it was a Baptist church, and I was surprised not only did they do a Gloria Poetry, but they also did uh, the what we call in the AME Church the Affirmation of Faith, but what is known as the Apostles' Creed. They they did that, they recited that, and you know they did a couple of other things that were that are normally foreign to those types of churches. But again, in a in a sense, in a in a way of trying to uh, authenticate themselves, that's what they're they're doing, and you can't. I, you can't knock them for it, but you gotta wonder, you know. You gotta wonder what 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 kind of message they're saying. I don't know, but nonetheless, uh, getting back to the the, the the train of thought that I was initially on in Amy Church, you know, when we elect our bishops, we do so in a in a mean in a way that's uh, it's not long anymore, but it used to be. I mean, it used to be long, but there was there was this sense of all in the process, you, 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 the sense of all as men were being humbled as they had to withdraw from the race, uh, some embarrassed, some not embarrassed, uh, but also the sense that anybody could run. You know, the only thing, the only necessary element uh, require eligibility at one time. It's not that now, but at one time was that you be an ordained itinerant elder in Amy Church, and that was the only requirement to run for bishop. You know. It didn't matter the accomplishments on any level of the church. The only, you could throw your name in a hat just by being an itinerant elder. Uh, and there have been some, you know, there's been some scrutiny and adjustments. And now uh, more academic, you know, stresses some academic because uh, they, they, we've passed laws stressing academic for clergy. And we want trained clergy, so we also want trained bishops. So, uh but it's the, still, the minimum requirement is that you be an ordained elder. That's that's it, you know. Having traveled in the church as a deacon and an elder, you're eligible to run for. And you know, I think uh, 35 was the age limit or uh, beginning age limit or something like that. Uh, I forgot exactly. Uh, I have to look it up. I mean, right now I could run for bishop if I wanted to, <laughs> but I, I I would not want that headache. I would not want that headache. At the present moment. Well, I'm going to take a quick break because I really went over the time in that segment. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, preacher's daughters. Want to hear you? You know, talking about oh, y'all want to hear my insight of preacher's daughters, <laughs> uh, new reality show. And not only that, but we'll talk about uh, is this this um, flyer, church flyer promoting uh, pastor and his 
first gentleman. So we'll be right back after these messages. Joining us today, 
This is the third week of March. Man, March is going by quick. This year is going by. I tell you, I I don't know what to say about this year. Time is filled with swift transition, and certainly it is it is it is moving quite fast. Anyway, so last day we were talking about the paper conclave and things of that nature. But uh, I don't know if anybody you watched this last night. Uh, uh, the Lifetime Network uh, premiered a new reality TV show called Preacher's Daughters. Um, and well, it's just about that, Preacher's Daughters, and and the show highlights four families. Uh, with daughters um, who uh, I think my computer froze up. All right. All right, we're back. Had this, uh, for some reason, the the show uh, it froze up. Oh boy, I tell you, it's a popular day today. Oh well. You know, live radio is something else. <laughs> when you're doing it in your office, can't answer that right now. But hey, I'm just thrown off and everything right now. Maybe if I take another quick break, I'll get back on track. How about that? Let me do that real quick. Uh, I'm going to take this quick break and uh, be get myself together. Now Faustine's topping the fluffy egg with crispy bacon. Now he's delicately placing the Gouda. That's cheese, Ron. Like a blanket. The toasted English muffin, perfectly positioned. The bacon Gouda sandwich, everyone. Come on. Wait. Zinu coffee. Perfection! That means good sandwich. Try the new bacon Gouda sandwich. And now try our new small hot or iced coffee for 25 cents. Breakfast just got fantastic. Burger King, where taste is king. Today, we stand against the tyranny of single-mile credit cards. Battle speech, right? May I? For too long, people have settled for single miles. With the Capital One Venture Card, you'll earn double miles on every purchase every day. Hawaii, here we come. So sign up today for a Venture Card at CapitalOne.com. And start earning double. What's in your wallet? Can you play games on that? Not on the runway. Oh. All right, I think I got myself back together. All right, we good? All right, good. We're good. We're good. All right. All right. So, before I was so rudely interrupted by the phone and the computer glitches and all this other stuff, whatever, <laughs> I, was, I was trying to lead into this segment about the preacher's daughter on Lifetime uh, Lifetime Network and following the lives of about three or four uh, young ladies who are daughters of preachers. Uh, and one preacher happened to be a former wrestler. Uh and uh, I can't think of his name, but he was a former wrestler. I don't know if it was WWE, Boris Kuloff, or something like that. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm a preacher's kid, okay? I, I'm a preacher's kid, and 
you know what they if you've never heard this then I don't know but they they always talk about how bad the preacher's kids are and I can tell you growing up you know I I'm the good one you know I my brothers weren't all that <laughs> you know uh, I, I my brothers could probably be called typical uh, preacher's kids you know um the pastor of the church I grew up his kids <laughs> typical preacher's kids you know they they were the bad kids you know they only did stuff because they had to do stuff because their, their father was the pastor or mother in this case some cases mother is the pastor or the preacher and uh basically you know they they get lambasted for just about everything and um so the show debuted last night and uh i i i'll be honest with you uh i i had a few issues with it uh but you know again my my whole question and i read this through a lot of uh facebook feeds last night what preacher would allow their daughter to be on the show you know and and a show like this how what 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 would be the amount of compensation that dude would allow and, and take me back to uh, a few years ago um there was a preacher uh who allowed his daughter to have you know MTV was doing the the show uh sweet 16 birthday or something like that super sweet 16 and uh there's a preacher who allowed his daughter to be on that show and had her you know had her birthday party blasted on the show, you know as one of the segments and on the show not only did uh it really touch on the wealth of the pastor who is a uh, well-known pastor uh I'm not going to give his name away you're probably familiar with him uh but he's a well-known respected pastor apparently a wealthy one because during the episode of the show you know she was talking about having her father's plane you know come in you know land and that will be her grand entrance to her party not only that but the party was you know was was you know it, it really didn't it wasn't a Christian party, you know, <laughs> and and her behavior was not any different from the behaviors of the other teams who were non-religious or non-Christian, whatever it may have been. But the fact that her father or stepfather in this case was uh, the pastor that she, you know, she, 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 um, I guess it, I, I call it exploitation. And I, I say the same thing about this this show, Preacher's Daughter. I, I call it exploitation. I say the same thing about the show. Um, uh, what's that? What's that other? Uh, the Sisterhood that uh, is on. Oh God, what's the name of that? Uh, what is on? Yeah, TLC. TLC is the Sisterhood. My whole, my whole thing is. You know, I understand, and same thing with this these other shows. Uh, there's Mary Mary's show. There's the Braxtons. There's uh, this new show on BT featuring um, what's it, the Sheards, which uh, is a gospel family of the you know the the Clark sister, uh, uh, their their daughter Kiara or granddaughter or whatever. You know these kind of shows. Uh, I don't think 
aid in presenting a good light of Christian uh, the gospel. And I think it's it's mostly entertainment. That's just this is just me. Mind you, I'm more you know more conservative, whatever it may be. Um, but I don't think it helps uh, get the authentic message of the gospel out. What I do think I do think it helps uh, shed the light that there that there are those who are Christians who are not um, who are not so um, you know. Tied up with themselves, but um, you know, so holy that they're no earthly good. Those kind of those kind of Christians. Um, but I do believe that it does not help when it can comes to um, those needing to see authentic Christians. When I say see authentic Christians, I I, I mean. Those who are, those who aren't in the world, you know, of the world, or something to that nature. I've heard it said so many times, and, and we are to be called out from the world. We are to be called out, and being called out doesn't mean to be crazy. And I think there there has to be a distinction between crazy Christians. <laughs> And called out Christians, and I think the show these shows don't give a balance to that. When you have a pastor's daughter openly, you know she and and she says she likes detention, but talking about she wants to be a porn star or a stripper, (laughs) you know, I'm like, come on now, really? You know, I'm not speak. I, I don't have the words to say. But again, this is uh, she getting attention from the show, you know. So she's going out of her way to let people know that I don't care what you think, I don't care, you know. And she's, you know, she's openly rebellious, which is yes, typical of some preachers' kids that I know, openly rebellious. But then you have those who are not rebellious, who you know, they fall in line and uh, <laughs> you know they get with supposedly with the program. I, I'm just making that up. <laughs> That's how it go. But the, the thing about it is, they are, you know, they are. They're supposed to be different. You know, when you think about the preacher, you know, and well, I guess maybe I'm saying it the wrong way because nowadays, uh, I include myself have found myself behaving not much different from the world, and it, it, it's difficult to present an argument for the faith to someone who is not. Who is in the world, as we say, or who is carnal-minded? Carnal-minded individual, the carnal-minded Christian, the carnal-minded, the, the person who is not churched. And I'm not talking about those who are atheists or anything like that. I'm just talking about the person who is not in church altogether. It's very difficult to present uh, an authentic gospel to those people. Now, the counter-argument counter argument now we know we don't know if Jesus had a wife or if he had children. We we don't know this the gospel is silent about that. He may have, I mean he may not have. We don't know. But what we do know is that he it being the Christ, it being the Son of Man, and being the Son of God, it being the living water, it being the way, the truth and the life, he did not disassociate himself from the world. 
Um, and there are occasions in Scripture where it shows, shows that he even ate with publicans and sinners. And, it, of course, uh, that, sin is, <laughs> that infuriated the religious sect. But because he ate with them did not mean that he was like them. And uh, there, and that's the difference, I think, between now, the argument that we have uh, that's going on, that we have to be like the world to uh, the, the, the bring the world in. I, I think that's an insufficient argument. Anyway, but I digress. So, preacher's daughters, um, I, I don't think that we should exploit them like that. I, I honestly think they're being exploited. I think all parties involved are being exploited. And they're being exploited in a way that, well, maybe fiscally, it may be fiscally advantage, advantageous for those families and for those children. Uh, and they are children because all of them are, except for one, is 18. But all of them are under 18. And, you know, the first episode, I mean, the very first episode, you're inviting the, the uh, <laughs> I don't even know how to say it. You're inviting the craziness. You know, you're going to talk, you're, you're having a young black girl talking about being a stripper and a porn star. I mean, and that right there, wanted to be, I wanted to go through the screen and just like, look, there's already a bad image of women. And, you know, when you're talking about the women's rights and, and right now the context of, the, of what this argument is about rape and all, all of this, you're talking about this and black women have already, the, the image of them has already been, made to look bad because of this idea that black women are strippers and you know are are sexually just beasts like men you know black men and black women we have this reputation of just being over sexual and to hear that i was like man girls just ooh, just ooh. and then you have the other one who who has had a baby she's 18 she has a child out of wedlock and the father seems to be kind of over-religious to me, you know. Yeah, There was the instant where he sat with his daughters and he's talking about the promised ring and the woman who, the one who had the child who was also questioning the paternity of the child. Not only did she have a child out of wedlock, but now on the first episode, she's sharing that she don't know who the baby daddy is. Really. You know, the baby daddy might not be who she was claiming the baby daddy to be. I was like, oh my God. Y'all see what I'm saying here? And so that kind of, that just threw me off. And then you had, you know, the former wrestler and his wife, uh, well, ex-wife and their daughter. And both of them are preachers. And the daughter has come of age and she's starting to, you know, get curious about sexuality, sex and all of that. And... You know, her mother just happens to be the sex preacher, you know. Apparently her ministry is going around to churches and talking about sex. I I got a caller. I'm glad I got a caller. Uh, uh, caller, you, you had some insight you wanted to share about this? Yes, I do. First of all, let's go back to that 18-year-old. I really think they're trying to exploit that. I believe she do know who her baby daddy is, and she just exploiting it to the full advantage for the show. Kind of like a, Mur a Murray thing. 
you know how married they always go on there, you are the baby daddy and all that. That's what I think they're doing to her. Oh, that's an interesting take. I uh, didn't think about that. Well, I think the whole show is explored as, a, as I made my comments, you know, prior comments. Yeah, I know. Hold on, let's get to this uh, to, to this girl from the Joliet Church. That girl, I don't know. She just needed a prayer and some issues. She's just going through some issues. She need a button. <laughs> I said Yes, it. she do. And she she's just going through some rebellious issues. Sometimes the devil works in mysterious ways. And like the daddy doing is praying, praying about it. She's talking about she want to be a porn star. Come on. And she did say that she wanted to be a porn star. She felt that they were more certain. Hello? Are you still there? Uh-huh, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. I'm sorry, go okay. ahead. Let me get to the third one real quick. I think the mama is wrong. I know you can talk about sex education all you want to a kid, but the mama is wrong about what she's going about about dating. I think she should let the girl date. It's just normal to let the girl date, but, hey, sit down be like, okay, this, that, and other things. But she's being going, taking it to a whole other level of extreme and telling them, well, then, you can you're not even allowed to touch her. I'm like, okay, let the girl be a teen. Let them hug at least, not kiss, maybe a kiss on the cheek, but not no, you know, you know, sexual thing going on. And who to say that something sexual is gonna go on? Hello. Yeah, good point. I'm listening to you. I'm just, I'm just hearing. I you mean, cause I, I'm a mother. Of a daughter, and I mean, I have a daughter, and um, if she became an age, I let her date. But it's like this: you have to sit there and talk to them. You can't sit there and like she's doing, drilling it in. I understand things happen and the things that happen in the world and stuff. But if you sit there and you touch your child, the morals, and you believe you have taught your child to the fullest ability, they're not gonna go out there and do something like that. All right, that's a good point. Take it. I uh, appreciate that. I'm going to take a quick break, and then uh, we'll probably try to talk a little bit more about that. Uh, but I, I segue into this uh, church anniversary of the first gentleman. That, <laughs> I tell you, that, that's what's going to get me here. So we're going to come back right after this. Be right back. Five garden fresh salads, please. Good choice. Do you have a garden fresh salad? Absolutely. Give it to me, baby. I would simply like a cheese, apple, and cranberry salad. Dressing on the side. Dressing on the side. That's not a problem. The new garden fresh salads and wraps. Come and get it at Burger King. I need you. I feel so alone. But you're not alone. 
knew you'd come. Like I could stay away. You know I can't do this without you. You'll never have to. You're always there for me. I'll get you a rental car. Don't use an umbrella. Fall in love with Progressive's claim service. It was the best day. It was the best day. We make a great pair. Great pair. Huh? Progressive. And the great outdoors. We make a great pair. Right. Totally. Uh, that's what I was thinking. All kinds of vehicles, all kinds of savings. Multi-policy discounts from Progressive. Call or click today. Pastor Lorenzo Neal, and we're glad that you're joining us in. And I, I, you know that's that slip of the tongue, zero game. All right, that's that's a bad slip of the tongue, but it does segue into this next thing. I was uh, uh, that there's a picture that has gone. There's a a flyer that's gone viral on the web, and you know it's the flyer of a, a third pastoral and church anniversary for the Community Church of Washington, D.C. Now, you know, I'm all for church anniversaries and church, you know, I've been there, done that. We, you know, it's, it's a wonderful thing. And, uh, you know, the flyer, what makes this flyer unique is that it has the pastor, uh, who is the Reverend Aaron B. Jones Wade, with a long picture alongside his husband, the first gentleman of the church, uh, Job D. Jones Wade. Now, it's legal. In Washington, in the District of Columbia, uh, same-sex marriage was legalized some years ago. So, uh, they are legally married, husband and husband, pastor and first gentleman. And what makes it, what's it what has made this this unique is that these are African Americans, these these black men, black pastors coming out, and I gotta give I gotta give it to them. They're, this is bold. It, it, it is a very bold move. It's a courageous move on their ha- on their behalf. Now, for for a couple of reasons, a courageous move on their behalf because they are at least being truthful about uh, who they are. You know, I, I admire this pastor um, for. You know, saying that okay, this is my I am homosexual. I have this, you know, this attraction, and not only do I have this attraction, but I'm going to commit to this person, and you know, in marriage. And I'm I'm not a, I'm not a proponent of same sex marriage, but it's a it's a bold statement for him to say that, and it may 
even say something about his faith in, in God and all that. I, I can't say that. I'm not. I'm not being judgmental on this. I. But you know, <laughs> it, it is just weird. I, not only it is it, it it's a bit disturbing. I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you. It is a bit disturbing. It's not any more disturbing than me seeing uh, women pastors, female pastors, and their first, you know, their first gentleman. Uh, in Amy Church, we have a lot of pastors who are female. We, you know, that's a growing segment of our church. Uh, we have more uh, itinerant women. Uh, uh, more women entering the itinerant ministry, and they're pastoring. Their husbands are some are in ministry with them. You know, we have a lot of ma- uh, husband and wife ministry teams in the Amy Church. Is becoming uh, again, it's a growing uh, segment of that of our uh, demographic of our church. Uh, there are those, however, who are who are married, but their husbands are not in ministry at all. And we have, as a matter of fact. Uh, Three of our female bishops, of the three of our female bishops, two that are married, neither one of their husbands are in ministry. Or you know, they serve as they serve as the Episcopal supervisors over. <laughs> they serve over the many the women's missionary society. <laughs> you know, the men over the women, <laughs> but they are not in ministry. And and those uh, they call. They, they, my bishop Carolyn Tyler, a former bishop Carolyn Tyler Gidry, she used to be really. It was funny because you know, uh, we we have the minister spouses and wives, uh, no minister spouses and widows, and PKs. You know, the connection. That's an organization for the preachers' wives, the preachers' widows, and the preachers' kids, right? And so, if there's a if there was a woman who was a pastor and had her husband. And if he was not in ministry, they would call, instead be called spouse. They'd be called spice. <laughs> you know, I always got to laugh out of it. Uh, but you know, here are these two men who have affirmed their sexuality, have affirmed their love. They're married, and now they're you know putting this out that, and they're being celebrated by their church and their members. And because it is the type of church, it's, an, it's you know an affirming church. That's the way they put it now. It's an affirming church. They open to all, you know, they're open, and they're affiliated with the United Church of Christ. So that says it itself a, a number of things, right? But you know, what about these brothers? These brothers now. Uh, about a year ago, uh, two brothers uh, got married, and you know they were Kappas. They're members of the Kappa Alpha Psi fraternity, and they got married, and man, their wedding was off the, their reception. Their wedding, you know, from the video that I saw on YouTube, it was wonderful. I mean, it was decked. They they looked good. The, the you know the wedding party was good. It was it was it was a wedding wedding. And I was like, man, those dudes, you know, they may be sweet, but yeah. <laughs> no offense, noops, no offense. It may be sweet, but they, you know, the wedding was wonderful, but. My question is, um, I know down here in the South it is just deplorable to see such a thing. But would you go? Uh, would you? Would you? Uh, how would would you do if that happened here in the South? And there's a church in Atlanta uh, where the bishop, the pastor, and the bishop, the presiding bishop of this organization, Progressive Pentecostals, uh, you know, he has a a partner. They they can't say marriage, but his partner, <laughs> his partner. 
and he, uh, you know, they share church together. It's just an interesting thing, and I struggle with. I, I, you know, and what makes it, what makes it uh, even more interesting, is that you know, the pastor, uh, Wade, well, I guess, uh, Aaron, yeah, Aaron, <laughs> Aaron Jones Wade, who's the pastor. He's not some fly by night preacher, you know. This guy is a trained pre- uh, Howard Divinity School graduate, Howard Divinity School scholar. He's, you know, this guy is he's, he's trained. You know, it's not like he, he's ignorant of the word. He he knows he, he at least academically where his heart is. You know, I, I can't say that. Or uh, you know how he interprets scripture to to reflect. The relationship he has with his first gentleman, that's other thing also. Um, but again, I, I got to say, they're courageous, you know. <laughs> they're courageous for putting both their pictures. Because uh, I've known a lot of down-low pastors. <laughs> a lot of down-low pastors who, when it comes to, they may have their first gentleman. <laughs> but you wouldn't, that wouldn't be on the flyer. That wouldn't be mentioned. That would that wouldn't be that would you wouldn't even know about it even if you did know about it that he wouldn't be sitting on the first pew with them you know if you've been to some church anniversaries or pastors anniversaries you know and the pastor sitting in the first pew or first pew or uh, uh, or you know they get the big chairs out where they sit in brother wouldn't be sitting in the chair <laughs> wouldn't be getting the offering you know they have a woman there. You know, he'd have a girlfriend, he'd have an ex-wife, or he'd have somebody or one of the mothers of the church sitting there to make him look good. <laughs> I'm mean, serious. That's what they would do. You wouldn't have a brother. If he was gay, if he was homosexual, or if he was bisexual, if he was some, he was, you know, back in the day, you wouldn't have that. that. Even if they knew, if the members knew, if the visiting preacher knew, if everybody knew, it still wouldn't be that. I mean, brother wouldn't be there. It shows you the times are changing. It shows you the times are changing. Somebody says I'm rambling, so <laughs> I know I'm rambling, y'all. I, I just I got off got off top. Thank you for letting me know I'm rambling in the chat room. <laughs> uh so uh let me get back on chat. Well, it went away. Anyway, anyway, so. The first gentleman. What's your take on it? We've got a few minutes, and I'm 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 just gonna say, like, uh, well, no, I'm gonna get back to my ramble, to my rant. It wouldn't have happened here. It probably won't happen. Won't happen at least here in the South for a while. It won't happen because uh, you know we ain't gonna have any form of uh, a marriage. I know that they do recognize civil unions in most places, uh, but. You ain't going to see two dudes on the fly celebrating the pastor anniversary. That ain't going to happen anytime soon. If it does, I will be surprised. I will be thoroughly surprised. And, um, you know, I have to question if I would go. I'm, You know, I, I wouldn't say I would. Uh, I don't know. I probably wouldn't go. I, I, I still have to question. You know, I still have some doubts. I would. I would. No. That's, I I'm just call me old fashioned, call me conservative, call me whatever you want to call me. I just cannot see that happening. But I do, I I, I do not knock them. 
I think is a bold and courageous act on their part. And I think that, uh, you know, to do something like that says a lot about what they're attempting uh, to push as far as outside of the norm, outside of the standards that that have been established, what has been established in the Christian church, particularly in the black Christian church. That says a lot. And and these are black men, black pastors. So I'm I'm struggling, you know, to see, not not struggling. I I like to see how the people there in Chicago are going to, uh, I'm not Chicago, in in D.C. area, how they're going to respond to that. There was already a pastor there in D.C. who, a black pastor who performed a a gay wedding. So it's just just going to be interesting. But um, uh, I ran out. (laughs) I guess that's a sign for me to wrap up the show. Well, and I'm going to wrap up the show because I'm running out of time anyway. And thanks for everyone who's listening. I appreciate it. But this is going to be an interesting week. We're going to be looking forward to white smoke from the chapel, from the uh, chimney of the Sistine Chapel. The white smoke means that they would have elected a new pontiff, a new bishop of Rome, a new pope. And we'll see if that signifies the end of the world, as some people are saying, is that's going to be the last pope. And if the Antichrist is on his way, the beast and all that stuff in Revelation, if all that's going to happen, if it is, oh well, fine, good, wonderful. If not, oh well, fine, good, wonderful. Either way, I'm ready. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for me. And I appreciate you for listening to another episode of Zero Today. And again, we're always here. And let us hear. Let us hear what you uh, what you think about the show. Let us hear what you uh, would like to hear. Some some subjects you like to hear. So send us a shout out. Let us know. Uh, um, give us comments on the Sierra Network page on Facebook and send us an email, pastorlorenzoneilgmail.com. And as always, uh, like the show, subscribe to the show, like the page. And till next week, peace.